You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Good morning to the 1120. So glad that all of you are here today. As you have heard a few times, perhaps already, we begin a brand new series today called Great is Thy Faithfulness. We're on a four-week countdown uh, to our centennial celebration on May 7th evening when we get to celebrate 100 years that God has been so faithful to us, so good to us. We thought it'd be kind of awesome to go back and to preach four sermons these next four Sundays that were preached in Highland back in the 1920s. Um, mainly as a reminder that, that God's word is always good and it's always authoritative and it's good for all people at all times and all places. So 100 years ago when this message was, was preached, it was received as the word of God to God's people. I pray in the same way that today we receive this from, from God as God's word to God's people for this day, for this generation. The founding pastor of Highland was a guy by the name of R.E. Smith. You can see his picture on, on the screen up here in front of you. Um, you know, pastoring is tough on a person. R.E. is 27 years old in this picture right here. <laughs> Just kidding. He actually came in 1923 as our founding pastor. There were 43 people who got together in this neighborhood and said, what if, what if we began a church? And the very first pastor they called was R.E. Smith. He actually came as a 57-year-old uh, to pastor Highland in 1923. Uh, this will be probably a surprise to most generations here today, but the average lifespan of an American male in 1923 was 56 years old. He came here as a 57-year-old and stayed until he was 74 years old, a, a, a faithful man who, who preached God's word. In fact, the membership grew from 40 in 1923 to 400 by the time that he retired. He died just a few months after he retired, but he was a faithful man that served the Lord, that served this congregation in a generation and generations before us. Would you believe that the great-grandson of R.E. Smith is a member here at Highland, and through another line of, of family, the great-great-grandson of R.E. Smith is also a member here at Highland. It is through that great-grandson who had a copy of about 60 sermons from his great-great-grandfather, R.E. Smith, that I'm able to even preach this message today with the exact same outline that was used back in 1924, 1925, perhaps sometime in the 1920s. And I'll say again, God's word was inspired back then. God's word is inspired today. It was good back then. It is good today. It was authoritative back then. It is authoritative today. And so I'm so encouraged that you're here today. Let's hear a message that, that was preached back in the 1920s. If you're a copy of God's word, would you turn with me, please, to Psalm chapter 46, Psalm 46. Let's go there together and, and, and hear God's word to us. If you grew up in church, Psalm 46 is probably going to sound pretty familiar to you. If you did not grow up in church, the book of Psalms in the, in the Old Testament, um, you'll kind of find it, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, pretty much in the middle of your Bible. But I encourage you to turn there in your copy of God's word. I hope you have it with you today or maybe your smartphone. And let's go to the 46th Psalm. Begin in verse one. Uh, theologians kind of, kind of differ on who wrote this. Um, some Matthew Henry and some of his ilk would say this was actually a psalm from David that was given to the sons of Korah to be then delivered to the choir master so the people of God could sing this song. There's other theologians that believe it was actually written by the sons of Korah, then delivered to the choir master for the people of God to, to sing this song. Really, whatever it is, it's, it's from God and it's from God's heart. And it's inspired by the Spirit. So Psalm chapter 46, beginning in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. 
a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. Honestly, no one knows what that word means. It probably means something to the effect of pause or stop. Uh, Some theologians believe it actually means repeat, like go back and repeat what you just got through saying or singing in this case, as this is a song to the choir master. Other people believe that that, that it means you need to consider what you just heard and maybe repeat that in your mind or repeat that on your lips and So even though we're completely unaware of exactly what the Hebrew word Selah means, it's used 73 times in the Old Testament, 71 times in the book of Psalms, twice in the book of Habakkuk. We're just going to go back and let me read that to you again. So we're going to Selah this moment and consider this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So the psalmist here is painting this really eloquent picture of of a troubling time. In fact, he uses these very extreme phrases. You see it in verse 2, of mountains crumbling into the sea or falling into the sea. Verse 3, the sea roaring and the sea foaming and the sea swelling to the point that it actually makes the mountains tremble. Whether that means that they actually begin to shake or that they're actually afraid. We're reminded here in Psalm 46 that you and I live in a very fragile world. The, the, the nature around us, creation around us is is fragile. It is a temporary place. A lot of things in our life is a lot of things in our lives are, are fragile. We can read the news and see that peace is very fragile. We can look at our economy and see that that productivity and and jobs can be very fragile. Again, the natural world around us is fragile. We see that from from Psalm from Psalm forty six. Our surroundings are fragile. Life itself is fragile. And what the psalmist is doing here is painting this picture of things that are out of our control. We have zero control over the tectonic plates shifting beneath our feet. We have zero control over hurricanes and storms. We kind of see mentioned here in in verse 3 that the psalmist is telling us we have zero control over something as dramatic as, as mountains sliding into the sea. Perhaps the psalmist is referencing the thousands of things in our lives that we have no control over whatsoever. And let's face it, we like to have things under our control. But the author here, the spirit here is reminding us there are things in life over which we do not have control. In other words, if mountains can, can, can crumble, then anything can crumble. Nations can crumble. Our health can crumble. Friendships can crumble. Our jobs can crumble. Life itself can crumble. And it's interesting that the psalmist would use those two words of nature, mountains and seas. Do you ever feel more small than you do when you're standing around mountains and and see their grandeur, to see their their majesty? Uh, Do things ever seem so mysteriously dark or, or wildly unknown than when we consider the depths of the sea, the depths of the ocean? It's in this realization that there are things in life that we do not have control over. There are dark things in life, unknown things in life, In the middle of this, God gives us Psalm 46. 
here's how R.E. Smith preached it 100 years ago. Everything that you're gonna see on the screen comes straight from his notes. First of all, God is our refuge. Do you see that in, in verse one? He is, he is our refuge. God is our refuge. A, a really important emphasis on that pronoun our. He, God is the refuge of those who belong to God. God is a refuge for God's people. And Ari Smith gave the first point here underneath, or a little sub-point. Everyone needs a refuge. Everyone needs a hiding place. All in this house today, all watching online today, we all need a refuge. We all need a hiding place. And that's the word that's used right here in Hebrew. It's the word makaseh. And, and it means a, a shelter of hope. That's what the word refuge means. It's a, it's a shelter of hope. It's a hiding place of, of hope. The word kasah in Hebrew is to have hope. The word makom in Hebrew is to be a shelter. So it's this shelter of hope. It's this shelter of, of, of refuge, this shelter in which we can hide. God is that safe place for us. God is that hiding place. God is that shelter of comfort, a shelter of peace. And again, I'll say everyone in this house, needs a place like that. But we can run and find spiritual protection. We can run and find peace. We can find comfort, a place of, of refuge. And Psalm 46 says that we find it in God himself. Secondly, we see here that God is an accessible refuge. In other words, Highland, you can get to God. God is not hiding in the far extremes of the universe. We don't have to crawl our way to him and kind of hope that someday we might find him. We don't go on this great search looking for God. He is as close as a prayer. God is as close as just a simple word. And maybe that simple word is help. And he's there. He is accessible. In fact, have you noticed that most of our emotional prayers begin with one of two words, one of two phrases, either help or thank you. When we come before the Lord, that's, the, the, that prayers begin like that all the time in our lives. God, help me or God, thank you for what you have done. We see here that God is the God who is accessible. We can, we can go to him. We can run to him. God is not hiding from his people. And let me bring that to you. God is not hiding from you. As my kids were growing up, I played the great game of hide and go seek with them all the time. What a great game, by the way. It's free. Don't need any equipment. Doesn't take much time. If you can count to 10, you can play hide and go seek. And so uh, we'd, we'd send our kids out hiding, and, and I won't mention the name of, of my child, but it was, it was the boy. He was more afraid of, of hide and seek than, than my daughter was. My daughter was a few years older. When she would go and hide, like she would hide really well. Like she would hide in such a way as to not be found. She would crawl into a cabinet and put the towels back in front of her, and she would stay there for an hour and a half. And we'd have to you know, look for her. She would never give up her position. She, she, she understood the task. She knew what she was to do. She would go and she would hide, but not my son. When I got to 10, he was as close to me as he could be without me actually seeing him face to face. His normal hiding place as a four, five, six-year-old was, was behind the curtains, but, but not in such a way that you couldn't see him, in such a way that you could see him. Like he would take a step out and make sure that his, his, his feet were seen, his shoes were seen, and I, I would go walking near him and he would start coughing or start clearing his throat. <clears throat> and then he would start hitting the curtains so the curtains would start popping out. Well, I, I did probably exactly what your dad did. I would pretend like I could not find him. Remember, dads, remember this, this, this season of life? Maybe some of you are there right now. We'd begin to say things like, I wonder where Caleb is. 
I can't find him anywhere. He is nowhere to be found. And he, the whole time he's clearing his throat and he's hitting the curtains and he's stomping his feet to make sure that I could, I could find him. He, he was the kid that wanted to be found. God is the God who will be found by his people. He, he, he is not hiding from you. He is a hiding place, but he is not hiding from his people. God is the God who can easily be found. He is the accessible refuge. Thirdly, I want you to see that God is a safe refuge. God is safe. There, there's no hidden agenda with God when you come to him. Well, outside of the agenda of him wanting to love you completely and heal you and comfort you. I guess when I say that God is, is a safe refuge, I'm saying that when you come to him, he will not cast you out. He will not shame you. He will not deny your entrance. And when you come before God, he is a safe place to go, a safe refuge. He, he will not shame you and not remind you of your past. He is a safe place and he won't find fault with things that you have done. Fourthly, only God is both safe and accessible. There is no one else you can go to that's like this. There is no place else you can go to outside of, of God being both safe and accessible. He is perfectly able to be the only place, the only person who is a both safe and accessible refuge. I think this is a brilliant point, by the way, of Pastor Smith. Any place else you go for peace or comfort or refuge is either not 100% accessible or it's not 100% safe. A lot of places you can go that are accessible but they may not be safe. Maybe a lot of safe places, but you can't get there. Only the refuge of God is both safe and accessible. The presence of God who calls himself here in verse one, our refuge. Secondly, God is our strength. He is our strength. Go back to verse one. Psalm 46 verse one says that God is our refuge. And then there's an understood pronoun in Hebrew right there. And God is our strength. So it's very clear right here, we are not our strength. Our friends are not our strength. Our intelligence, our intelligence is not our strength. Our abilities, they are not our strength. Our disciplines are not our strength. But verse one, God is our strength. I'm gonna teach you a Hebrew word today. It's really easy. Um, it's the word O's. Like you don't have just one O, you have many O's, you have O's. So just turn to your neighbor real quick and, and, and say O's. And then turn to another, another neighbor around you and just say O's. Like, there, there you go. Man, I mean, the room is filled with Hebrew scholars today. Yes, O's. It's, it's, it's the Hebrew word for strength. The, the word O's in, in, in Hebrew also means might. It means power. It means fortress. It means stronghold. So we see here in this passage that God is our power. God is our might. God is our strength. God is our fortress. And a reminder maybe for many self-sufficient Americans who are here today who may not like to hear this, we are weak without God. If he is our strength, if he is our power, and he is our might, and he is our stronghold, and he is our fortress, then we are weak without God. Could it be that some of you feel very weak in life because you're trying to do marriage and relationships and parenting and school without God. He is our strength. The third thing we see in this passage is that God is very present in our times of trouble. 
We haven't even got out of verse one yet. Go back to verse one, Psalm 46, verse one. God is our refuge. Understood pronoun, God is our strength. A third understood pronoun here, God is our very present help in trouble. Now I want you to stay here with me. It does not say here that he is present in our times of trouble. It says here that he's very present. And those are two very different things. Just, just look one more time at the people around you, the people that you just impressed with your Hebrew just then. Just see some people to your left and to your right. That, that person next to you is present. But that person next to you is not very present. Here in the original language, the word present means kind of as it does in our English language. It means nearby or, or seen or close to. But that's not the word that's used right here. The word that's used right here is the word very present. So if the person next to you is present, your breath is very present. Your skin is very present. Your teeth are very present. So the passage here does not say that God is nearby. What it quite literally says is God is on you. He is that near to you. So scripture here does not say that God is present, but God is is very present. So when you're struggling with anxiety or struggling with fear or you're struggling with comparison or you're struggling with uncertainty or sickness or a rebellious teenager or a hurtful roommate or a discouraging friend, God is not just present to you. He is very present. He is that near. God is very present in our times of trouble. And then Ari Smith gives these three beautiful illustrations. He says, first of all, a little child can go to him. That's how present God is because God is very present. And children here today, in fact, if you call yourself a child, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, I want you to hear this. God sees you and he hears you and he knows your name and he cares for you because he's a very present help. He's a very present God. A little child can go to him, but secondly, a prodigal can return to him. So maybe you're here today and you've walked away from God or you're running away from God or you've moved away from God. Maybe it's been many seasons that you have even desired to be in the presence of God for him to be a shelter of hope for you. Here's the good news about this God who is very present. A prodigal can return to him. You can return to God. He is that near. Not just present, but very present. And the third beautiful picture that Smith gives us is a dying Christian can rest in him. Maybe you have a loved one that is near death. Maybe a loved one that has experienced death recently. God is so present, and again, not just present, so very present that a dying believer in Christ can rest in him. He is that near. There may be some here today that maybe there's a sickness that you've been dealing with. Maybe you realize that you're your time on earth might be, might be winding down. Maybe someone is watching today that maybe you realize that death is approaching, maybe even quickly. But God is so present that he's not just present, he's very present. That, that a child can go to him, a prodigal can return to him, a, a dying Christian can actually rest in this God who is very present to his people. Now, because all three of those things are true in verse one, do you see all three things? That God is, first of all, our refuge. Secondly, that God is our strength. Thirdly, that God is our very present help. That's what leads us to the very first word of verse two, which is the word therefore. Because all three of those things are true, God is our refuge, God is our strength, God is our present help, our very present help in our days of trouble. Verse two, therefore, we will not 
fear. We're not going to be fearful people. We are not going to be afraid because God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our very present help in trouble. And as R.E. Smith was preaching this in the 1920s, a man by the name of Adolf Hitler was rising in the ranks. He would become, in about 1925, the, the chief officer of propaganda for the DAP, which would eventually become the Nazi party. While he was preaching this, unbeknownst to certainly people here in Waco, in fact, this message was preached about 250 yards to your right on the end of our campus. There was trouble and war brewing in Europe. As Ari Smith preached this, Highlanders at that day would have had no idea that they were literally months away from a stock market crash that would cause the Great Depression. And a high percentage of Wacoans would, would lose everything they had. They would lose their job, lose the ability to freely feed their family. That was on the horizon as R.E. Smith stood before a group of Highlanders, generations before us, and said, God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is a very present help. Therefore, we will not fear. Before R.E. Smith would retire from Highland, um, Hitler would attack Poland. The Great World War, the Second Great World War would, would begin. And just a few months after he retired, Pearl Harbor would be attacked. I wonder, maybe the, the history nerd inside of me, how often maybe some Highlanders from 100 years ago had to go back to the 46th Psalm and say in the middle of a Great Depression or in the middle of war or the middle of their sons being drafted into the war, we will not fear. Same in 2023. I mean, we have no idea what tomorrow holds. We have no idea what the rest of 23 looks like. 2024 looks like a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. But whatever, whatever happens in life, whatever tomorrow holds and next year holds, we can join the psalmist from 3,000 years ago and, and Highlanders from 100 years ago and say with confidence, we will not fear. And then Smith closed the sermon with this point. Rich are those who have this God. Rich are those who have this God. You know, a lot of things that you have right now can leave you. Your health, your, your friends, your finances, your job, your security, they can all be gone. But rich are those who have this God. I guess the question for our hearts on this Sunday morning in 2023 is simply this question, who are you running to? Who are you going to in days of trouble, in days of anxiety, in days of sadness, in days of loss? There is a God and you can run to him and he is a shelter of hope, a place of peace. He is our refuge. He is our might. He is our strength. He is not just present. He is the God who is very present. So generations later, let me say this phrase to you again. You can rest and rejoice under the shelter 
of this God. Would you stand with me, please, and let's pray together. Father, thank you for really a word that never grows old, a message that our spiritual forefathers and foremothers heard 100 years ago. It's still rich, it's still true, it's still needed today. You are our refuge. You are our strength. And you are a very present God, a very present help in our days, our times of trouble. And rich are those who have this God. Father, remind us today that you're safe and you're accessible. And we can come to you, we can run to you. You don't cast us out, you don't find fault, you don't shame us. Because you are a house of peace, a house of grace, a shelter of hope. In you we trust. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So we're going to sing. And I would love for you to take full advantage of these next few moments. We're going to sing two songs. Maybe you'd want to come and just kneel here at the front. Maybe you have found yourself running to friends or running to information or running to security or running to social media in your days of trouble instead of running to a God who says, come. Come and find peace. Come and find hope. So I want you to feel the freedom of these next few songs. If you want to slip out from the, the aisle, the road that you're, you're standing in right now and just come and kneel before God and take that posture of, of coming before a God who is your refuge, who is your strength, who is very present. If slipping out of your row is, is too much of a task, maybe you just want to go on your knees right where you are. We're, we're going to sing a song that um, Highland learned about 21 years ago. I think it was actually on one of the Highland CDs from the early, early 2000s. So if you were around back then, 21 years ago, when this song came out, you better sing loud. Teach it to the youngsters around you. It's a great song that reinforces scripture we heard just then. We're gonna have some prayer leaders here at the front. If you wanna come and pray with the staff member, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to celebrate with you. We'd love to, to partner with you in prayer. Let's take advantage of this time as we worship a God who is very present, a God who is our strength, a God who is our refuge. Let's sing. And once you please.